Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts here this week. I'm Dave Gurney. I'm here with Joe Hilliard. And we have a special guest. Oh, my name is Ethan Thompson. Oh, he's back. Long time listeners. Long time listeners. That's right. I feel like we'll remember that voice. Yeah, our longtime listeners know the story, but the the few hundred that are listening for the first time this week may not know that prior to... A few thousand. I underestimated it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Prior to Beard and Movie, there was a podcast at the dawn of podcasting. It was just us and Ricky Gervais. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Pretty it much. was called The Movie Hour. And it was Ethan and I were the co-hosts. Seth was our producer. And uh, a story that we've told probably one too many times. I'll do it once more. It ended shortly after uh, we were invited to go see the world premiere of Inglorious Bastards. Or rather the press premiere, world premiere of Inglorious Bastards. That was a fucking great trip. Yeah, that was fun. That was good. Good times. And then we said, uh, our families, this is enough. Yeah. And then these two clowns caught me, uh, took me out for a drink and said, I've got an idea. Beer and movies. (laughs) And I said, fantastic. And we did four or five episodes and Ethan quit that. And <laughs> Ethan was on more than four or five. I'm kidding, but yeah. no, I, it was that it was, was real. It quick. might have been it was three. Fa- it was fairly. <laughs> sh- yeah, and then Carlos came on, and uh, history was made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so here we are to discuss two beers and two movies, like we do every week. That's right. We're not messing with the formula this week, other than bringing a, a, a fun guest from the past back with us um, to to discuss these films. But before we get there, I know Joe and I are going to get some beer in our glasses. And Ethan actually brought or, or has something for himself, too. I do. We'll, we'll let him uh, describe that in a moment. But uh, for Joe and I this week, we're going to be drinking the uh, Live Delicious, Deliciously India Pale Ale from Anchorage Brewing Company, a favorite of the program. We've had them several times mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, th- this was given to us, I believe. See, I inherited our stash. Carlos, who used to produce the right. program, used to house our stash as well. I, I am now the one who has that in uh, cold storage, all of these That's beers right. that folks have given us. I think this one came from Daniel. Daniel will correct me, I'm sure, if I'm wrong here. But um, in any case, somebody gifted this to us. I'm excited to try it. It's actually on the lighter side. It's an IPA. They're not describing it as a session IPA, but it's 4%. So so that's kind of low. It says fermented with Thiol boosting yeast, DDH, double dry hopped with the rare Rewaka hop, and it contains some milk sugar. So sorry if Kyle Ferguson was here with us. We would not be able to share that with him. But uh, we'll we'll go ahead and get this open, put in our glasses. Uh, Ethan, if you want to tell folks what you're going to be sipping on. Yeah, I'm trying a non-alcoholic beer. Uh, Back in the day when I first got old enough to legally drink, if I was really fancy, I would have a Samuel Adams. Right. That was like that so was fancy. the top. That was like right. the. Be sure to drink it with your pinky up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and this is a non-alcoholic Samuel Adams, just the haze. So I'm looking forward to trying this because non-alcoholic beer technology has greatly improved. It's well, we did a whole month. You, yeah. you may have it, heard us talking about yeah. this off that. All September, we did all non-alcoholic beers throughout the month. Joe was even staying away from non-alcoholic beers that had any grain incorporated. Right, it was doing a weird thing. So he was more just uh, Mm -hmm. a voyeur on the whole thing. But Carlos and I were drinking them. And then uh, we we did have a couple of the straight-up seltzers. Yeah. 
the the hop water kind of thing with uh, Lagunitas. Hoppy which, Refresher. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hoppy Refresher. And then we had one from Samuel the... Adams. I enjoyed one of those last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind of cool to bring that back. I think Not it's Samuel that... Adams. I'm sorry, Sierra Nevada. Oh yeah, yes. I, so I think we'll mix these in every once in a while. So it's nice to have you drinking in this one from Sam Adams. Just the haze. Just the haze. Which this this, I took a couple of years off of drinking beer, and when I came back, everything was either a hazy IPA. <laughs> Or a Mexican style lager. Yeah, it seems like. Had you dipped out before hazy became? It had, the, It was just, it was just starting. starting. It was just starting. like people were, were still, you know, adding New England. But style, you totally right? missed like the smoothie. Yeah, right. you, you missed the Thank smoothie. Thank God I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Thank we'll God. Still I do, we'll that. still do one from time to time, and it's always a treat. Uh, I don't know. Just give me a Jamba Juice instead. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, I'm looking forward good. to this, and I wonder what my uh, tw- early 20s self would think about if he could see me today with a. Non-alcoholic Samuel Adams. I bet, Fast I bet forward, you'd think you know? like the future yeah. is 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 an imp- is an exciting place to live. He'd say That's you can drink plenty of those and they get on your hovercraft skateboard. That's no right, that, yeah. right, right, right. Like yeah, as yeah. long as you, you could drive your your hover car <laughs> safely. <laughs> Elon's working on it, I'm sure. <laughs> well, David, you know we did four solid weeks of all horror October, so of course the first time out right we're getting back into mainstream films the films that you're going to find streaming new release or new releases at the theater this is a nice transition film it's got a little horror in it right plenty of macabre a lot of themes about hell and demons and uh murder but it's a fantasy film an animated film it's the newest one from henry Selleck. of course you know him as the director of nightmare on elm street uh james and the giant peach Coraline, a film I really liked. I think a film that we did. Wait, Nightmare on Elm Street? No, Nightmare Before Christmas. What did I say? <laughs> you you did, did say Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Thank you. I was I was just looking. I'm like, oh, did Joe do some deep like, research? Holy I, cow! I, I know he came no. out of animation. No, Nightmare, Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Christmas. We we've settled it. Okay, all right. I wouldn't mind seeing his Nightmare on Elm that Street. That would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, really, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, he's got this reputation of, oh, the new Selleck film, the new Selleck film is out. But this is it got even more special rubbed all over it because it's him co-producing and co-writing the film with Jordan Peele. Of course, we know him from, we've done all three of his films. Get uh, Out, Us, us nope, nope, most recently. Earlier this year. Uh, and it's also the re, uh, reunion of Key and Peele. Uh, Keegan-Michael P- Keegan Michael Key, his long-term sketch comedy co-creator right, from right. Comedy Central and the way back. Yeah, and Mad TV. and the, Yeah, these yeah. guys have had a partnership going for many years. Okay, we try to keep the podcast around an hour. Sometimes we go over, and if I were to discuss every plot detail that's in this film, we, this would be a two-hour show. This film is packed with plot and stuff that happens. Yeah. But the basics are that Cat... Uh, is a young girl who witnesses her parents pass away five minutes into the film. Uh, he is a brewery owner. Uh, <laughs> Which, does yeah, he right. own the brewery? I missed that. I, I, I don't thought know they were just hanging out at the brewery. It was our brewery, and you can't buy it. Uh, yeah, it was. A, it was a purchase decision going on. So, I, I, okay, I thought it was hinting that they were the owners. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, on the way home from a carnival, they. Uh, go off of a bridge and they get cat escaped through the window into a river, get cat escaped through the window, but she watches the car descend and her parents pass. And away. may I say, arguably it's her fault. 
Well, yeah, I mean... Sure, never take your eyes off the road, Ethan. But you're right. The father was distracted, and a, a child isn't going to be able to process that right, correctly. She's right. lived with a lot of guilt. Yes. And has had a troubled life since. Sure. Fast forward five years, and we see her getting another chance, having lived a life in like, juvenile schools and... and Detention centers, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Getting uh, a chance, a second chance, at uh, redemption at a all a Catholic uh, school, and uh, that's about the time we meet Wendell and Wilde. Now they're in the netherworld, right? They're in some kind of hellish situation, have <laughs> situated atop their their father, but but they are of such a scale that they can just roam the father's skin as if it's like a right. A, a, he, a terrain it, for they them? call it prison. They're imprisoned because of some bad behavior, and their job is to literally plug hair roots into his scalp and then Squirt fertilize cream, them with yeah. hair cream because his father, their father, is very vain, kind of a Satan figure. Although that's that's oh, he's a the, the character's kind of name devil, is what, like uh, Belzer? Yeah, that's not Buffalo it, Belzer. Sure. Um, Vo- voiced by Ving Ving Rhames. Then we discover that Cat is a Hell Maiden. She's got the ability to. Bring oh one of those right. Yeah. She's got the ability to bring Wendell and Wilde manifest them in the real world. That occurs after they make a deal because all they want to do is get out from under the thumb of their father and create a fair, a carnival. Yeah, for it's kind of a Beetlejuicy element there. Very much right? so. This connection fact, with the underworld. In fact, I would c- compare her character to Winona Ryder's character in Beetlejuice very much, as yeah. far as the ability to see into the. The world beyond us. Right, right, right. Then all kinds of shit happens. I mean, <laughs> it lo- is really complicated. A lot actually, of stuff know. happens. Well, because you have the you you have the friend that she makes, um, Raul, mm-hmm. whose parents are these people who have decimated this town in the hopes of creating this massive prison complex there. Right. Well, no, his no, no, parents no, no, no. are. His mother is the attorney who's going. Oh, I'm after sorry. The no, I- that's the girl it's, who uh, like. Yeah, it's, it's the girl confused, who teases David. her. You're right. Uh, easy who, to get confused. David. The, yeah, yeah I did tell or that. whatever. The, who's trying to be nice to her through most of yeah. Right, right. Calls her KK. She does not like sure. that. There's a parent organization that's taken over the town right. and then sent it to ruin. They want to build a prison there. Uh, there's deals made with Wendell and Wilde to resurrect various dead people in order to... For the city council. Yeah, because by the way, you if you... If you eat any of the hair cream, you trip balls. Yeah, that's... yeah. Well, if and you're a demon, you also if can you're a bring demon. the dead back to life. So, pretty yeah. sweet. It, it is an all-purpose hair it's cream. It's a pretty amazing hair regenerator. <laughs> I guess if there's other aspects of the plot that are important for our discussion, we can each bring them up. But yeah. I will say this. I was struck at the very beginning. Five minutes in, we're going macabre again, mm. which is what Selleck tends to have Nightmare before Christmas. Yeah. feet in both worlds. It's delightful. There's uh, great animation, visuals that are difficult to compare with anything else. But also, we're not afraid to kill off some people, make people suffer, uh, the death of a priest, uh, him getting thrown into a river. I <laughs> yeah. mean, uh, mm-hmm. demons, hell, you know. It. Uh, I enjoy that aspect of it. The idea it's not quite a children's movie, but, but children is, are going to yeah. be attracted to it because of the animation. And so I, where well, does it actually fit I don't in? know. That, yeah, this is a tough one for me to kind of nail because so I... I I agree with what you're saying, Joe. This is, I, I think, like to hear that. a combination of things that I'm intrigued by. Like, okay, and and I wanted to do this film for a reason. I, I'm interested in Peel and his work in general. I've liked Henry Selleck's stuff in the past. It's 
it, you've said it's like an event when it because his films take so long to come yeah. out, right? Coraline sure. was the last one. That's thirteen really? years ago. Yeah. So he's done a couple shorts in between. He's done some okay. shorts, but I mean the last feature that he did. So you think about that. It's like okay, well, what, what's he going to pour this kind of time into? You know, this stop motion process takes is very labor intensive, very time intensive. Um, so so I'm excited to see it. But there's so much going on. Um, I I like a lot of what's happening here. But there were many moments throughout where I was like, what is drawing people in? Because, you know, is this a family film? Like you said, it's definitely got things. It's about a young girl. It's kind of a coming of age story. She's had this traumatic uh, life up to this point. She's clearly this is about her character needing to have a big moment of growth and change and this new perspective to come in. Self-forgiveness. Right. Part of that is obviously she regains her parents for a time. We've you know talked about how the cream can bring people back. Eventually that's used to bring back her parents. So, I mean, there's some important like stuff that really does seem directed at that kind of children, family audience. But then there's a lot that's really so dark and macabre about it that tips over, I think, a little further than Nightmare Before Christmas does, for instance, like, or even Coraline, for that matter. I, I, I yeah, I kind of shared the same feelings, and I, I kind of intellectually appreciated the idea that you're going to have this. I mean, I, I do think it feels like a family movie, even though it, it has this content. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. I wouldn't, like, you know, recommend it just for... Little, little kids, yeah. Right, but maybe, maybe this is perfect for the middle school age kids i don't know who are like becoming more conscious of such things but um it seemed like it took forever for her parents to be resurrected it did i love i love that idea i mean for a kid's movie i mean that is a make-off thing like not only do your parents die right away but we're gonna bring them back to life i mean that that was pretty pretty interesting to see but i still did feel like a million other things were going on at the same time yeah with the and there's this layer of social commentary even in it you know that oh for sure that i don't know kind of kind of annoyed me i I don't know i don't think it annoyed me as much as it felt like it was pulling me in too many directions to really just focus and and i think it had that effect like i watched this with my yeah, daughters, how know, did they like, like it? I, you know, they weren't as they weren't, pulled in by yeah. it as I I had thought they might be. They, I think they liked it okay. I mean, I asked Adela at the end. You know, my she's twelve, going on thirteen. Like, so what did you think? And you know, she's like, yeah, I liked it. You know, but it wasn't like a oh wow. And I feel like some of his earlier films. I, I remember seeing Nightmare Before Christmas, and I was already a teenager. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even as young as her. But I remember thinking, oh, this is really cool. Like, they've created this whole other world and this co- concept and tying together these two holidays that are such huge parts of, you know, popular culture anyway. It, it was it, it was a fun movie. The music, the, you know, mm-hmm. there's many things. And plus, I was a Tim Burton fan, I think, at that point, and having Tim Burton's name all mm-hmm. over it uh, that didn't hurt. So, so I had had such a profound experience. Clearly they were not having that. They're both fans of Nightmare Before Christmas. And Coraline too. Actually, that was a film that we did back on the old movie hour. You remember that? Oh, we did wow. Coraline. Did we do it in movie hour? Did yeah, we, we did. Okay. Then we you did. sitting here got me confused as yeah. far as which Coraline and, but amazing think, show tackled Coraline. Of course. <laughs> but I, that's a movie that I think still resonates with people today, right? Like I, I prefer it to this movie. I, I'll be honest I, with you. I agree. I, I feel story. like this is a Netflix movie. Like typical Netflix in a way of like, well, 
Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But it, is anyone going to remember this? Well, are I, you going to watch this like in Halloween's to come? Are people going to watch this movie and like, think of it in the same way that they think about Beetlejuice? Yeah, the or, way that Jack Skellington has become like this right essential figure in pop culture. Can you conjure an image from this film that 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 you remember like him? You know, like right. maybe if I saw it a couple more times, it would. The sink priest in. was pretty striking. I like yes. the, the the lowered head priest. Like once he's died yes. and come back, and he has like his head seems to be like mounted about like mid torso. But he is like you know we're in in the hierarchy of characters. No, in this he's film, not. He's big, pretty no, far you're right, down. There. You're right. Um, it, it is. I think. I think a big part of it is it doesn't give you that central like cat should be and kind of is the central character. And yet I don't think it it really gives us enough time with her or enough development of her character to fully see her as a center. And it's pulling us in these different directions so much where like these the subplots about the prison complex mm-hmm. and the you know the, the underworld, the relationship between the father and sons with uh you know uh, belzer and wendell and right, Wilde. right right Th- like that doesn't quite plus get the whole like do you do you understand this whole side plot with angela bassett's character and the other guy right. that collects all the demons yeah and what oh yeah the, guy, the yeah, hell no, you're that? right. what's his story the, the maintenance guy that who, guy could have been the most interesting part of the film in it's some a lot ways like marlon brando <laughs> well and, you know and that le- like were they thinking they're building this universe like they want people to get really excited but i don't think they do that effectively when they spread our attention over all these different things and they don't really develop any strongly enough for me to want to yeah plug is this back the in. model that it's going to be a franchise film and they're going to spin off these different characters i, I hope don't not. think so it doesn't depend, depend like on that. views i expect this film to get a lot of views because on halloween night which is you know just a couple days ago when this thing drops yeah families with certain age kids are going to get done with trick-or-treating and look for something to watch together sure. pop, yeah. pop on netflix and this oh, is, this gonna is be, great timing this in is terms of programming for available. netflix yeah um and i think that those families will have a a decent experience yeah. with it. I mean, it, it, there's enough there. The parents are going to, the parents maybe would enjoy the key and the peel and the, yeah, you know, yeah. some, some interesting uh, conversations about death and rebirth. And there's some funny grossness to it. Like sure. the, the boogers being used for yeah. sculpture and, and uh, various things like the, smashing the bug when they first figure out that it can regenerate. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I the mean, the whole hair cream application and <laughs> hair root application I thought was, I mean, there's a lot well, of animation taking... here that's really interesting to look at. They do like cutaways yeah. that you might in a real film of a puddle, uh, I'm sorry, a tire on a car going through a manhole and with slushy snow around. And that animation, is it, it, that's a show-off moment, you yeah. know, of, of the animation. And there's plenty of those. The, the, the hell, if you will, the carnival, all the spirits, how they, how the... The roller coasters move. I love. I love yeah, yeah. all of those. Very striking. The what did you guys think? Like, okay, so <laughs> the, the amusement park thing was kind of funny. It was weird because the, the concept seems to be that in the afterlife you would have like if you end up in some world. I don't know exactly where. It's not hell, but it doesn't seem like a heaven that we, that we would understand. You can choose electively to go to amusement parks i guess and <laughs> sure and some of them are mounted on the belly of demon mega demons right that that's right and they, they never really explain more than that it's yeah. just kind of like that's a thing we got to accept that for a lot of the film the the demon is just laid back so that his body can be used as an amusement park sure terrain, right and if they're it, large enough i mean 
have a gravitational force like a planet. I, I mean, there's there's moments like there's touches like that where I feel like okay, David, I don't get caught up in the rules, David. <laughs> I don't, but th- that's it. Like, am I? Is this so wacky that it's funny and I'm laughing at it? I don't think I wasn't laughing out loud. La- laughing out loud. It was at clever, it. and I you was know what bothered me. Cleverness. Her. So how long? How much time do you think has elapsed between her parents dying? And it says five years. Five years. Uh, number one. Would have loved a stop motion montage. Okay, maybe that would have helped me care more about of her, her growing like, up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Again, what was her? Her journey? character didn't get developed in right. the way that I think it probably. And then, needed and then to. maybe they thought, you know, we don't have time for that. We don't need it. But actually, I feel like I needed it. Other thing, her parents. They've been underground five years. They weren't nearly they, right. They were in way too good a shape. I, I was actually anticipating. I I was like, they are point. not going to look good after five yeah. years underground, but they look pretty good. They did. They did. <laughs> she said, how did they sit? Because, because of course, we've already seen the city council people right. resurrected. Right. Right. And they're skeletons. Sure. They, I mean, they've been they're eaten apart. completely. They, yeah. So why would these folks who have been down there five years have escaped so cleanly? I mean, they're slightly right. discolored, but yeah. that's it. Can you think of another director or team that's putting out animation besides your Pixar, your Disney, your DreamWorks, which, which there's some big hitters there, but that are putting out those uh, typical 2D, you know, cloudy with a chance for meatballs and, you know, that that style of animation film that is that the general film going public is as, is as excited about when these films release. The only thing that I could come up with on the way over here was... Um, when Wes Anderson does that from time to time. It's yeah, a specific there, style. Uh, it's him doing a specific thing, a specific type of vision. And Isle of Dogs is... Uh, for, I, yeah, I love that yeah. movie. Ooh, and Fantastic Mr. Yeah. Fox. Yeah, I that. Is that the two, right? Has uh, he done another one? Correct. Those are the two. And I think it's the third one that's happening. Oh. Yeah. yeah um, well, I was going to say there's that... I think they're Russian. Are they? Laika? The the mm-hmm. studio that does... I think they did Kubo and the 12 Strings. And I, you guys probably haven't seen these because they have been a little bit more clearly pitched at family audiences. That was the last one that I remember. They do stop motion... Uh, like this and do it well. I mean, those uh, Kubo was a good film and I feel like there's a couple others I'm forgetting the name of, but yeah, I don't know. There aren't many. And this is certainly, I mean, Henry Selleck is the one who I think has been the most successful. I think you're right though, that maybe there's just too many. I mean, as much as I like Key and Peele and love to see them in that, you know, collaborating too, maybe there's just too much going on here. it feels a little that way to me, and 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 yeah. it sounds like a lot of us had that similar. I do want to note, though, I love the soundtrack for this. Yes, film. Yeah. they yes. made some awesome music choices. And Dad I know wears a fishbone shirt, right? The, and yes, daughter. Yes, yeah. throughout the film, he's wearing it, even when he's resurrected. He's been buried in his fishbone shirt, which props, you know. I mean, that's yeah, that's, that's how, pretty good. How a man should go in. Uh, but yeah, you got Fishbone, X-ray specs, the specials, living color, living color coming at like I mean that's a cool use of living color. Yeah. That's like a climactic scene. Yeah. The cult of personality drops. You're excited. It remind Death. me how much I love. I'm not lying. I listened to that album so much. I, I think, yeah. but right before I discovered the Pixies, yeah. I was listening to Living Color over and over. Oh, they were over. great. That that was a that was a fantastic album. Yeah. It, and um and I was going to mention there's even like obscure concert posters. Is one for a band Pure Hell that's like. They only recorded like four songs, and you've barely been able. They, they aren't really even circulated that much. There, but they were one of the few uh, African American punk acts, along with Death and a few. Like, it, you know, this is this has some of the 
Jordan Peele. Yeah. Is, I who's feel the like, music supervisor on this? Maybe we should look that up. I bet it's whoever does other work with him, but yeah. you're right. We, we should look at that. Um, My very first concert ever was Beastie Boys. Opening up for Beastie Boys was Murphy's Law and Fishbone. Very nice. I remember that very I saw distinctly. him at Lollapalooza in 1993. Okay. I think. Yeah. It's a blur. Yeah. We'll see. There you go. They're, they're hitting the... Uh, the Gen Xer parents, <laughs> yes, and they are very, the, very much you know, so. hopefully trying to bring in the uh, the children. It, Adela did actually note that a couple of the songs on the soundtrack she dug, so that you know, like, that's she, oh, that's a good song. So, so there was some bridging the the generational divide there that I can appreciate this movie for. I think you know, I, I, overall, I'm not going to come out and say like this is a fantastic triumph. I don't think it's a terrible film. I think it didn't feel like a waste of time. It kept my this is attention. The best we can say now, it's better than mediocre, <laughs> and it looks cool. I mean, you're, yeah. you're right. Like yeah, a lot does. of a lot of how the world is built looks really cool. Yeah. The animation itself, you can tell, keeps growing by leaps and bounds. Even with this stop motion style, it seemed much smoother to me. And how the motion was achieved than even something like Nightmare Before or Coraline, just from a few years ago. Right. I, th- I think they have made advances with uh with the cinematography. Mm-hmm. So. To me, there's enough there that it does not feel like a wasted experience. I think if you are a fan already, if you like Henry Selick, if you like these stop motion films for sure, check it out. You're going to want to see it. You're probably going to see it even if I tell you not to. But um, but I think general audience wise, like if you were coming home after Halloween and looking for something to put on with a family that's going to be able to bridge the divide between the adults and, and some of the younger kids... I think this is something that you could go with. I don't think anybody's going to come away saying, this is my favorite film of all time, or this is a Halloween tradition film or mm-hmm. something. Like, we're always going to watch this. Or if you're looking for but, that film with your family. Yeah. The original Halloween was it's just by John you, Carpenter. When there's so, the one you so much time in there between movies like Selick, you just wish it would be a little bit more of an impact Agreed. than just Agreed. another but, Netflix. But, yeah, it, it wasn't a waste of time by any stretch no, of the no. imagination. And when you're tooling around on Netflix, I bet you'll end up watching it eventually. Oh, there's so much out there these days. Do you really want to waste your time with anything that's not perfection? David, you said it's not a waste of time. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, we, I, I hope folks didn't waste our time, didn't waste their time listening to us banter about that. Um, I certainly didn't feel like I was wasting my time living deliciously now, throughout that segment. A hazy IPA, milkshake IPA, you throw some lactose in there, that's only 4%. That raised my eyebrow before we poured it in the glass. It smelled great. Yes. Super tropical nose. Like, I mean, really, pineapple, Mm -hmm. uh, it it had just very uh, burst of of aroma as you were pouring it out of the can. Like, as soon as I opened it, I I was uh, detecting it that way. It looks perfectly hazy. I love that it's 4%. I mean, to me, this is kind of an ideal beverage these days. Something that's this light, but this flavorful. I can't thank Daniel enough for for getting this to us. It's it's nice. I I'm not surprised that Anchorage uh, continues to put out great beer because I've always had great beer from them in the past. But it's nice to have something so much. Usually I associate them with the darker like Imperial Stouts, lots of adjuncts. So it's nice to have a really light take on the hazy uh, milkshake IPA. It was our fourth from Anchorage. One more in Ooh, our five timers, timers club, yeah. but. Um, I'm looking through the list, and and I I recall each one of these being a success. Anchorage is one of those breweries that when you do get your hands on it, because it is not widely distributed, uh, it's always a celebration. 
Well, it, sometimes you go back to those old stalwart breweries and you find something great still going on there. Sometimes you get disappointed mm-hmm. and you think, why, why guys, why are you doing this? Ethan, how did, how did Sam Adams I'm do impressed. for Boston I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, I've decided that um, I'm going to avoid thinking in terms of how good non-alcoholic beers are. And I think it's more important to think about whether or not it's satisfying. Yeah, sure. You know, and this is really satisfying. It tastes like a hazy IPA. Nice. Um, I mean, it has a little, it tastes a little more orange juice in there, a little less bitter than some others that I've had. Uh Um, That hits the spot for a hazy IPA without having the alcohol in it. So Samuel Adams, just the haze. Tip of the hat. What was the ABV on that? I forgot. 0.0. 0.0. Is that a 0. Point? Some of them are oh, wait, 0. No, 0.5. No, no, no. It's, it is. It's 0. 0.5. Okay. So they, they do oh, that man. to be safe. Yeah, That's... I'm going to be drinking a long time. For right. This. <laughs> but no, you could walk home if you needed to, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You would have to have quite a few of those. Wow. Yeah. yeah I think you'd have other. <laughs> I, I think your digestive system would have other problems before you even got to a point where the alcohol was really. No yeah. Effect. I think yeah. you would shut down from haze over this. <laughs> <laughs> shut down from haze. Oh, my gosh. So. With an animated film out and uh, the movie hour so expertly detailing the aspects of Coraline that there's no reason to duplicate that conversation, where did we go? The sky was the limit. You'll find out after the break. Okay. There you go. Hey, you did it. I, of course Thank I you. did. All right, good. Of course I did. And let's just keep this party going. Uh, Run the Jewels, right? We did that collab that they did that I, it's not leaping to mind what it was. No, but it was good. Uh, I'll Yeah, I'll look on our okay. master list. You... Run the Jewels, very well-known rap duos, teamed up with City Water Hard Seltzer out of Chicago to brew the first ever Run the Jewels Hard Seltzer Collabo. Ooh la la is all natural, sugar-free, gluten-free, pink lemonade hard seltzer that's full of the summery, refreshing, nostalgic flavor of pink lemonade. This spritzy crusher is brewed to keep the party going. Zero gluten, zero sugar, 5% ABV. We've done a few hard seltzers on the show, but never one. uh, Pink lemonade's never been an adjunct or flavor profile that we've tried to go after. No. It'll be an exciting one to try here. Um, I yeah, I, I I can't find right now. But we did do another run to jewels. They've been kind of active with partnering with various brewers and uh, and organizations and whatnot to to create beers. You can order them through their website. Even I, mm-hmm. I get emails occasionally from them, alerting me. But I I, I never jump on it for whatever reason. I, I have not uh, taken that plunge. But I'm glad that Daniel. I'm pretty sure brought this one to us. This it's, is like an all Daniel episode. What's happened? It used to be you could just sell out, right, and just like lend your music or name to a product and now you've got to actually do work and collaborate with them and come up it's, with stuff. it's branding it's it's you know yeah, like just, being entrepreneurial they're, they're doing are, yeah yeah it used to just be called selling out it did it did we, we, the, people don't recognize <laughs> that it's gotten anymore. complicated now 
It has, and then we realize that we don't want our artists to starve. Like they should. If if there's gonna be this windfall, we want them to take part in some of it, right? I mean, that's part of it. I don't know. We gotta I relax. To ask, it. I have to ask Neil Young if he thinks it's okay before I decide. He has enough money, right? That's the thing. He has that catalog of all those '70s albums that he made. Did he sell back his? when people made money selling records? Did he sell records. his? Somebody. He didn't sell his. Dylan sold it. I know yeah, Dylan, Dylan did. But I hadn't his. heard that. Uh, okay. I still think that Neil Young is pure. <laughs> I'm looking as the winter snow. I'm looking through the records in David, and we did not write "Run the Jewels" anywhere on the database okay, well, entries for that beer, so I can't find it. So now I'm looking through all of the "Run the Jewels" <laughs> collaborations that exist, and there are quite a few. Yeah, uh, this no safe point. Oh yeah, okay. That's the nice. uh, beer that we enjoyed, and I'll get more information while you talk about the direction we ended up going. To yeah, so so Joe kind of said before the break, you know, we, we could have gone a lot of directions, and you know, we brought up a film in the first half that I actually think would have been an incredible pairing, Beetlejuice, just yeah, because of yeah. uh, you know similar thematic overlap. But until we had seen the film. We didn't really know about that. Um, instead, we were thinking more about like that stop motion realm, um, and and one that I have a feeling we're going to be jumping back into not too long from now because uh, Del Toro has his stop motion Pinocchio getting ready to yeah. to drop. Which also maybe after hours. I don't Definitely. know if you guys Cabinet of Curiosities have couple. you checked any of those out the the new anthology series. Well, we'll we'll check in. But Del Toro is on fire right now. Um, and so we'll probably see that, but uh, we, we've stayed in stop motion. We, instead of going contemporary, because there's not a whole lot contemporary until we get to Pinocchio in a few weeks, um, we, we looked a little bit back, and I kind of, I put this one out there because yeah. it's one that I have some fondness for. I'll put my cards on the table. I have to, right? Uh, this is from Jan Sfankmeyer, who is a Czech animator who has been making films for at least 50 60 years now i guess yeah, since, since the early since 60s, the 60s. Um, mostly short films until the 1980s when he finally took the leap and did a feature length film and that is the film that we're looking at right now his first feature from 1988 right is that the date mm -hmm. that yeah, we're yeah. Uh, this is Alice. It's that's the English title. Apparently, uh, the original title is more like something from Alice or okay. something. Okay, I was wondering about that because it's not like it's not a full-on interpretation, right. right? I mean, so this is uh, this is based on Alice in Wonderland, the the first uh, Lewis Carroll novel of. Uh, the Alice character. This going. pink lemonade's gonna be perfect for me listening to Houston upsize this film. Go ahead. <laughs> and what we have are are aspects of that story, and we're all familiar, right? We've seen this adapted. Sure. I think most of us have, right? There's yeah. the Disney animated version. Have you guys seen that one, both of you? Probably. Some point in your lives. Definitely. Yes. I've seen other live action yeah. versions. I know, like there Didn't was Tim one Burton made for TV. Tim Burton with Johnny Depp. Did you guys yeah. see that yes, one? Dude. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they all blurred. tried Honestly, to block it out. What I've decided is, why the hell haven't I actually read the Lewis Lewis Carroll book? You know, like I need to do that. I've seen so many adaptations of this thing. You're, you're right. I've seen the Tom Petty video. Uh huh. Right? Ooh, <laughs> don't come, come around, around. Don't here come no around more. here. <laughs> That's one of my favorite adaptations. That's a great video. It is. That that Fantastic. actually is a vivid early MTV memory for me. Like, as one of the videos that stood out as being like, I get the concept. I understand what, and like I could see it was people doing something different than just shooting a band playing on a stage and yeah. having fans yeah. in the audience or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, th this is uh, this is interesting. We have another adaptation, but clearly coming from a different place. Czech animator who's always been known for primarily doing stop motion animation, although he does some cutout animation and whatnot that's more akin to two D. Mm -hmm. um, 
but with his stop motion stuff being distinguished in that he doesn't really tend to stick with clay or wood or anything in particular to make models. He uses organic materials of all sorts um, to do, including in in this film, uh, a lot of taxidermied animals, right? right? That That's a big factor here. In this right. Film. I mean, you meet the white rabbit who is just a typical taxidermied rabbit. The way I, I love that emerging yes, from right, yeah. the... Yeah. Who breaks out of its glass case, puts on its clothes... And this is when this is kind of was that the first kind of bit of animation? Yeah, was that white the, rabbit, the, up the until rabbit then it was bursting out of the yeah. Alice and her sister on a creek bed, uh, creek side kind of thing. But then this, but then the director gives you a flavor of what you're about to see. Yeah, and it's the the taxidermied rabbit. Of course, taxidermied animals are famously filled with sawdust. I don't know if they still do it that way, but that's why I remember that as a kid. I'd hear that this taxidermy rabbit has a rip in its chest and the sawdust keeps falling out of it <laughs> and the way that it combats that is eating bowls of sawdust the way that you would eat cereal <laughs> it tucks his um time piece his, his, his pocket watch thank yeah. you, into his wound if you will <laughs> and every time he does very saw- video drum yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sawdust spills out and when he pulls it out there's sawdust on the face of the watch and he'll lick it off to get more sawdust back inside of him because the sawdust is falling out to me that's a perfect encapsulation of the style and 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 kind of like mental i don't know how i'm not saying it very well what this film is doing is so surreal at at every moment and that's a very good representation of the surreal. i thought it was so cool i just the style, you know, we were talking a little bit before, I guess we officially got started talking about how in the previous film that we discussed, the stop motion is so incredibly smooth mm-hmm. that you you start to think it's just regular, like, computer animation. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And this thing, I had, like, the opposite reaction. Perky jerky. Which I was like... Really, this is made in 1988 because it looks like it could have been decades before that. It's so, it, or let like your friend might have made this or something, right? Like, I mean, yeah. which, but, it, but like I a thought really, it's fantastic. A really, really creative, unique genius and creative genius friend who yeah, doesn't but, feel but like could he do in their garage make it smoother, maybe. right? Yeah. Like it yeah. doesn't need to be smoother because right. the idea is it's so filled with these like really it's the power amazing, of the images, yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. And even like the other thing I noticed was how. Um, Still, I mean, the cinematography is, again, because we've gotten used to, like, you have cinematography in, in stop-action animation. You know, your your camera is moving through repositioning mm-hmm. it to do everything. And this They're making is it look like it's a tracking shot. They're right, making it look right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, not this one, buddy. Right. They're just, it's it's static. Things are changing in front of you. But it, I found it just really compelling and simple, and I... I had a blast watching it. I thought it was really great. Oh, that's cool. Well, I mean, I think for me, Spankmeyer, and and you know, the, I, this goes kind of just across the board. It's not even specific to this film. There is like a Joe said a surrealism, right? That I that yeah. I appreciate here, especially in the use of like a lot of everyday the sawdust, a yeah. taxidermied rabbit. Scissors. Not that I have one in my house, but I've seen taxidermied animals around. Christmas is just around the corner, did <laughs> scissors. Um, other other common household implements and tools, stones, you know, just like things that you have around, and and yet he makes it all so strange and wondrous. It's you know, there's that idea of kitchen sink realism, like where yeah. you have the you know, like just very plain living conditions and people like living like normal people do, and seeing that on film is almost like 
novel in itself. This is like kitchen sink surrealism, right? Where you have just the normal, banal, everyday surroundings, and then everything becomes turned on its head because it can move in ways that it shouldn't be able to or that you wouldn't. It becomes animated. Right, and this is a perfect story to do it with, right? Because Alice in Wonderland has always been about, and any incarnation is about this young girl, and at least creating, and certain, certain interpretations, certain adaptations, I think, maybe tip more one way than the other but treading that line between is this a girl's imagination gone wild and is she just picturing all this stuff happening in her head or is there really this alternate reality that has this kind of connection to her everyday existence does it exist you know indeed and i think seeing this film it kind of i mean it i don't know how do you feel does it tilt more towards the this is her imagination or the no this is like a reality that she's just experienced well, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but isn't hers the only voice we hear? Yes, throughout the entire so, thing. She's narrating it like the story. She's like the story. It. So she for said. Me it is, it, it's like as if she's reading the book or telling this story as she's experiencing it. Um, I think the animation style, the herky-jerky style of it, uh, supports your argument uh, that we're seeing imagination at play here. Yeah. But who cares? Uh, you know, I mean, ultimately, there's a, a scene where there, there's a, a running motif of a desk with a single drawer. And what's inside the drawer might be a, a big pile of scissors, for example. Yeah. And then she needs to, she finds that she can pass into the other worlds by getting into the drawer. But the drawer's a desk drawer. It's too small for a human to fit into, mm-hmm. but they, they make it work. Yeah. And then when she's between worlds, if that's the right way to put it, there's scissors everywhere, <laughs> you know, and there's these little touches of this director's imagination. That's probably working with a very small budget. I would have to guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. And is able to, through creativity, expand it into, uh, this is a good movie to watch high. I was thinking about like or a dangerous one. I did not watch. watch this movie high. I think I I look at that and I was like, man, you could really get in trouble watching this movie because it is those normal everyday things around you that just become animated. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would that's I would not want to uh, mm-hmm. mess with it encounter in this in any I was also frustrated. I was also frustrated at points because I felt that the narrative could move a little more quickly. And, and the director was hung up on showing you the animation portions there's from time a, to time. There's an interesting pacing going on here. I agree. That's a good way to put it. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm so glad that I saw it. And if you haven't, I would suggest that you do. This is like a film encyclopedia for your own, you know, completeness type of movie that you should. Yeah, I, I'm I never heard I, of it before. I'm I hadn't either. Never I'm seen so, it before. Well, I don't. You know, th- this stuff. I, it's it's very niche. I mean, like even people it, think about those overlapping fields of where you have people who like stop motion animation those people who like european art cinema those people who like uh, surrealism those people you know you're finding like people who are willing to go in all those directions which you guys are oh yeah i'll (laughs) watch anything but not not every viewer is and and i can see this you know definitely turning off i did want to try to watch this with my daughters but i couldn't figure out a time where we were all going to be able to do that. So I ended up watching it on my own. But I do intend at well, some Joe point... Well, Joe will let him get high and watch it with him. Sure. So <laughs> that, don't that let him watch it with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, uh, eat, kids, eat these candies. 
<laughs> yeah, here your this Halloween. This one makes you bigger. Go, this one makes you smaller. Just go into your Halloween candy bag, right? I mean, what that's the, the the we're in we're in another one of those crazes, right? Where everybody is thinking that uh, people are putting oh, drugs. It's not razor blades anymore. It's no, like I think it's drugs. Molly. I think it's gummies. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about the scene? Though, actually, the, it could be happening now, right? Like for the first time. <laughs> be, well, they're legitimately widely available. It yeah, wouldn't sure. be hard. Here, vape this. <laughs> uh, I love that scene where she's tra- she. Okay, so when she shrinks like Alice does to a doll, that. she turns into oh, a doll. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And then when, uh, when there was a scene where she's inside of a dollhouse and then gets bigger, so now she's a eight year old maybe child yeah, in, yeah. crammed inside of a dollhouse. She can't get out, so she begins crying. And twenty seconds later, her tears have. She's now submerged almost right. in the quantity of tears that she. There's no animation in that. That's just another creative kind of trickery of yeah. of of pacing and using a very something we've all got tears. Some of us, not you, David, you heartless bastard. But uh, but then all of a sudden the the, the the house is flooded and that's how she escapes. I, I, there were so many touches in this film that I was like, that is one clever director there. Yeah. I'm not going to try to say this person's name. Svan... Svankmeyer, right? Svankmeyer, yeah. Svankmeyer, yeah, yeah. I see you scrolling right there. I made an interesting discovery I want to mention. What's that? Well, I'm very excited to tell you that in 1991, Jan Svankmeyer Mm -hmm. made a film for MTV. Okay. A one-minute... A short film? Okay, A one-minute film, and you may have seen it. I wouldn't want... You can find it on YouTube. Um, It's called Enamored Flesh... Or meat love, and uh, if you want a taste of this, maybe to decide whether you want to go and track down Alice, you can go on YouTube and look for it. Yeah, it is amazing. It's a couple of slabs of meat falling in love. I bet I saw that. I bet I did back too. And I want to watch it. And like with television, did we all into that show? At yeah, all? yeah, 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 yeah. It, it might That's where have been. Eon Flux, yeah. I think, kind of yeah. emerged. I'm from sure it was on there at some point. His, Be- Beavis and Butthead Frog Baseball was on that yeah. before they turned yeah. that into a series. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved uh, the, some of his early shorts. I still love some of his early shorts. If, if And I think a lot of them are available online. Uh, yeah. Another title that I'd put out there, Dimensions of Dialogue. That's one that I've, I've used in classes before where it has like three distinct parts, these different scenes. But it is um, some of its clay animation, some of its food animation. And it's it's basically breaking down human communication, Ooh. these things that go on with human communication. It's it's a great little short film. And and he has so many. But that's amazing. I got to check out his mm-hmm. uh, MTV short. That's I'll also let you know cool. that Alice is available on YouTube. I don't know how legal oh, it is. Oh, really? Okay. It's, it's there. You have to... Google Alice and then the director's name and then use the director's name as your search because it is titled as its um, Czech title. Oh, really? Okay. Plus, with Alice, you'll just get a billion things, but Zvankmeyer, not as much. I've heard, and sadly, I've never seen it. The the version I watched, so I have a DVD of it. That Mm -hmm. uh, that's what you watched it from, Joe. Correct. I actually streamed it through the platform Canopy. And both of those versions, the DVD version and the Canopy version, uh, have uh, an overdubbed English right. narration that's going on. Right. But I know there is, you can get a version that's the original Czech soundtrack with uh, subtitles or whatever, you know, for an English speaker. And I would be curious to hear it because the sound is kind of weird on the English dub version. Yeah. Well, we haven't talked about the sound I, because a lot of it is sound, right? Like mm-hmm. sound effects. Yeah. Sure. Um, even it, it, there's more active sound effects than even visually I felt like in yeah. terms of the editing to help hold it together. 
Yeah. So I yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see that. Absolutely. And have to read the words. <laughs> well, now that I've seen it enough, and it, it doesn't really if you know the story it's pretty not well, words. you could pretty much not right. hear the narration and understand, oh, this is the part where she meets the Mad Hatter. Oh, this mm-hmm. is the part where she's you know, you would recognize these scenes. So I, I feel like I could watch the Czech version yeah. and not even maybe need subtitles too much. I think when you and I were discussing what to pair it with, I said, Hey, how about let's go all the way back to uh, Jason and the Argonauts? Which would have yeah, been a great Harryhausen. that would have yeah. been fun. But, I, we should someday. This was so quirky and trippy and cool, and I think, you know, that may be the thing to do with Del Toro, and and I feel like he's probably an even better guy when it comes to connecting with Harryhausen. Okay, I and mean, I'm excited to see that. That'd be cool. The Pinocchio, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I am. T- I mean, Del Toro for me c- can't do any wrong. I, and you know, Spankmeyer, based on my experience, now I have seen a few other other of his features. He has one after the, he has a version of Faust. He has conspirators of pleasure. That's really interesting. It's like kind of people with these weird fetishes, <laughs> but comic and and it stays somehow. I feel like it stays around PG thirteen. It doesn't get to, mm-hmm. to, truly into the next. Um, then uh, little Odick I've seen, but after that I know he even has a couple more that I I kind of lost track of him in the two thousands. He still makes film. I think he came out with one maybe three or four years ago. So so if I heard us all correctly, it's. Grab some hair cream, <laughs> eat it, trip balls, and watch Alice. Yeah. Okay. Why not? That's what ties this whole episode together for sure, sure right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You could imagine Wendell and Wilde on the couch uh, enjoying Oh, they would love Alice. Would they love the pink lemonade city water called Ooh La La uh, from city water? Right. Uh, brewing or city water, I guess is sure. what it's called. Uh, th- that was done in conjunction with Run the Jewels, which has no great tie into this episode, this this particular movie, but was the libation we drank. What, what did you think, Joe? I don't know if I'd put this in libation category. That's very no, fancy that, that's, sounding. You don't feel like this qualifies. I, I got to get my mind right for a hard seltzer. It looks like a rosé. We it didn't looks, really talk it about. It looks like it doesn't have um, carbonation, carbonation to me. It's, it's, it's got a little there. prickle. It's not like it's not super foamy. It's not foamy at all. But it's got a little yeah. liveliness on the top. I got to get my head right to enjoy the hard seltzers because I've got this weird prejudice against them. But every time that we bring one, it's one of the best ones you can find, and this is no exception. I, I have to say that you know. I mean, this can says hard seltzer that matters. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, well I think it's because they're giving some of the profits yeah, to this cause. I understand. Okay, where you're great. Go. But hard, does that make the hard seltzer matter? <laughs> well, the, the product has to Your consumption that. of it matters. The product has to believe that. I, I, look, again, this is delicious. And it's sculpted to be delicious. It tastes like a pink lemonade. Yeah. You can't really taste the alcohol. I couldn't. Um, I could drink this really quick. They call it, the can itself says it's crushable, and that's not a lie. Uh, I could drink several of these and then probably stand up at the table and promptly fall over because I've been tricked into not believing this is an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> this is delicious. I mean, this this tastes tastes good. It's difficult to judge on a beer scale because it isn't a beer, but uh, I would definitely pick up a six of this and drink them at the right time. Yeah, it's very refreshing. I mean, I yeah. I. I as I was drinking it, had no no problem uh, enjoying it. That the flavor was good. It wasn't overly sweet. Sometimes I've I've had some seltzers that have gone super sweet, and at that point I'm like, eh, you know, I don't need that. So this one I thought was balanced enough. Um, and it happens to be in this really cool looking can. Yeah, oh, great it's super can cool. Art. But if you 
pour it in a glass, it might as well just be Bartles and James, Rosé. <laughs> I don't. I didn't actually taste it, folks. But, but it, you're it, absolutely right. I mean, there's looks... no reason not to uh, to to, to uh, admit. I mean, this is not that far removed from the Bartles and James, the wine sure. cooler, the wine right? Cooler. Yes. Which is I that an actual thing? Do people? I. I you no, know, they drink hard seltzer. Once now. upon a time, or anymore, they've all gone away. Right. You couldn't I get. I mean, a there are and James. some. You can't definitely can't get a Barles and James. That just totally can. they sh- they got rid of that. Yeah, brand. but uh, okay. I don't know. What am I saying? I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm. I, I. There's no Barles and James. There are very few wine coolers left. I think. I just remember Barles and James was uh, the best. Like in high school, dating myself, that was the drink of choice because, not Zima. Well, Zima came and went real fast. I remember that. But it even flamed back- brightly for a month. It was, it was like the your father, not your father's root beer of its time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bartles and James is now canned, of course, because every alcoholic beverage must Ooh. be canned these days. Uh, but it's still around, man. It's, uh, it's, again, like a hard seltzer. It's a 4%. They're low sugar, low cal. Disappeared in the 90s. Now it's making... Yeah, they're, yes, they're trying to make a comeback right someone's now. Someone's licensing the name again. Sure. Uh, but we used to get those Bartles and James because uh, we didn't like beer yet. You know, beer, I remember early high school, tasted gross. See, you were fancy over here. We we weren't fancy enough to have Bartles and James. We would have the uh, country Boone's Farm Country Quencher. I remember one time... Okay, I got a shoplifting story about Boone's Farm. I'll tell <laughs> oh, no! Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell it in, oh. I'll tell it in after yeah, hours. Yeah, that's... All right, I might, I might I even... I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. I might have to bleep that. I don't know if we, we can... You know, you admitted to a criminal offense. had to have run out. Because this was I mean, te- Texas has got a long memory. 89. Uh, did right. I say me? I met somebody else. That was but... prime Boone's Farm era for me, too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, sure. Who I was just talking about? Oh yeah, never mind. I I had some sweet wines the other night, and I was I was talking about them with uh, one of the other tasters, and uh, we we were comparing them to Boone's Farm and saying like, "Geez, I Strawberry don't... Hill." Yeah, <laughs> but I, but I I think there is a sweet wine market out there, right? There, I mean, isn't that what? Clearly what's, uh, is. There what, clearly what is. is. Um, shoot, there's a pink wine that I'll see, and I'll and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's a sweet wine." Oh, it's, it'll come to me maybe in after hours who knows um but sweet wines there's a market people, people some people want yeah. that oh, yeah some people want if you that. go to these texas wineries like that they push that stuff because all the i don't know bachelorette parties they get or whatever that's what they want to drink apparently yeah yeah that was yeah. a flagrantly sexist statement for me <laughs> well it goes down quick. trademark goes down easy <sighs> Well, with that, we'll, we'll we'll say that the best thing about this is that you you don't have to end these flagrantly uh, you know obnoxious <laughs> remarks right here. You can continue that. Oh, they're just getting started. Yeah, uh, by finding us on social media, uh, we are on Facebook. Oh, you didn't open a second can, did you? No. All right. Well, that's all right. Sam Sam, Sam Adams, just a haze. Uh, you can find us on social media. On Facebook at facebook.com slash beer and a movie TX. On Instagram under the handle at beer and a movie. On Twitter as at beer movie show. And you can join our chat on Discord under the name beer and a movie. The conversation continues. We've also mentioned that we will extend this conversation ourselves in the Patreon only, subscriber only, after hours bonus episode. Please sign up there at patreon.com slash beer and a movie podcast. We know you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, but before you leave, won't you please rate us and leave a review? We hope you'll make it five stars so that the algorithm can do what it do and put us out there as an option for more listeners. You've just experienced another frightfully animated 
nice. surreally animated version, uh, an episode of Beer in a Movie. Until next time. As your older brother, I demand you regurgitate that cream. Thank you.